Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit. draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Oh! Yes! Yes! Detroit Basketball! Hello, Pistons fans, and welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast brought to you by Believe. Aaron Johnson taking over the hosting duties this week as we're without Mike Anguilano, but joining me is the one and only Jasper Apollonia. Jasper, we got some fun stuff to talk about this week. How are you doing, my man? I'm doing all right. I was excited for uh, for for Mike to join us once again, but apparently he's doing some sort of other real estate venture. Uh, the guy's got more properties than Blackstone, so I don't know what's going on there, but hey. We got the two of us. We're still in those dog days of summer, but you're right, Aaron. We do have a one, at least maybe two topics to talk about today. So I'm I'm ready to get into it. Let's do it. Yeah, we might be in the dog days of the off season, but we're going to continue to bring you weekly shows. And you know what? Soon enough, we're going to be out of these dog days. We're only a handful of weeks out of training camp. Uh, this is really the last few weeks until we're going to have so much to talk about actual things that are happening with the team. So very, very excited to uh, get into all that. Uh, but first let's hear a word from our sponsor. As always, it's bet online. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device and join today to make your first sports bet. Use our promo code believe 50 bleav Five zero to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, so our first topic of today's show relates to what's going to be something very, very important for the Pistons next season. Everybody knows that Cade Cunningham is the alpha dog of the Detroit Pistons. He is the general, the floor leader. He is the number one option. But behind him, question marks remain about who will fill in alongside him as the number two and number three options of this team next season. With a handful of young players and also a potential veteran that might have a bigger impact than anticipated, I think there's a grouping of guys that are all in the mix to potentially fill these roles. Jasper, who do you think right now is the league candidate to to be that sidekick somewhat to Kate Cunningham and, and fill in as that number two option for Detroit uh, next season? 
Well, Aaron, I have to say, coming into this season, I think it has to be Sadiq Bay. And we're going to talk about the other couple of guys. At least I have two other guys that I think could fill that number two scorer role. But I really do feel coming into this regular season, Sadiq Bay has to be that guy. And, and that's for a couple of reasons. One, you need to see where Sadiq Bay is at. And they did that last year coming into the season. They tried to give him a little bit more playmaking responsibilities. They tried to give him a little bit more of less of that catch and shoot and more of that driving uh, to the basket, a little bit more interior play. And it didn't quite work out the way they wanted it to. Um, but I think going into this season, they have to make the same, they have to make the same effort. They do have to give him the a real shot at solidifying his role as the number two guy, because the fact of the matter is, he has been over the last couple of years, their most consistent player. He's gotten the most playing time. He's played the most minutes. Um, he's done the most on the floor. And I think he's earned that shot. Now, on the other hand, I, I think you have to look at it as more of a complete season kind of thing, because even though Sadiq's going to get that initial shot, Alec Burks is a player that frankly has been more efficient on pretty similar kind of opportunities for his career. So Alec Burks is going to push it. And on the other hand, you have another young player in Jaden Ivey, who hopefully is going to become more and more confident, more and more capable as the season goes on. So there's a really good chance that, yes, while Sadiq Bey may open as the number two option, he could be pushed down to number four by the end of the season, depending on how things go. Ultimately, best case scenario in my eyes is that Sadiq opens the season as their number two offensive option and is down to number three by the end of the season because Jaden Ivy is such a revelation because Jaden Ivy is pushing for that rookie of the year spot. Um, worst case scenario, I think Alec Burks is, is the number two offensive option on this team. And that's only going to be because Sadiq Bay isn't, growing enough as a player in year three or because Jaden Ivy needs more time as a rookie in order to come into his own. So I think as of right now, it's got to be Sadiq Bey. Um, but that could absolutely change as the season goes on, depending on how he performs and how the, those other two guys perform as well. I don't see another player that I really think is a, is a contender for that number two offensive option role. Uh, Aaron, I don't know if you feel differently, but for me, those are the three guys I'm looking at. I'm actually quite, quite shocked at how in alignment we are on this, really from essentially every point that you brought up. I think it is Sadiq Bey's spot to lose at the beginning of the year. You look at the minutes that he's played, his familiarity in Detroit's system. This is a guy that is going to come in and command a big role at the beginning of the season. Um, he's going into his third year. This is when we see a lot of players tend to take that, that next step forward. Uh, so I think that there is a world where Sadiq Bey not only starts the year uh, as the number two option, but, but finishes it. And it, it's, and it's not a disappointment because he's growing and, even if Jaden Ivey's playing well, like Sadiq Bay's just taking that next step. Um, so 
I think he steps in day one going into training camp. That's the number two option. You know, Detroit's building their offense out around Cade, Sadiq, Jaden Ivey. But, you know, Sadiq is going to be a guy that's going to get more volume, going to get more ball handling opportunities, going to get more sets run for him. Uh, and that will put him in a spot without Jeremy Grant taking so much volume away, so many possessions away for him to really, really succeed as the number two guy. Uh, that being said, I also think that the best case scenario is Jaden Ivey is so good, is so impactful that by the end of the year, Jaden Ivey is kind of right there, if not ahead of Sadiq Bey in the pecking order. And, and that's a lot to ask out of a rookie. But when we're talking about someone like Alec Burks potentially being a top three option on this team, that shows you that, hey, it doesn't matter that he's a rookie. There will be opportunity because Detroit doesn't have a lot of go-to guys on their roster outside of Cunningham, Burks, and Sadiq Bay. I mean, maybe you believe all the world in Marvin Bagley and you think he's going to, you know, you look at his production last year after the trade and you think, hey, he's going to start. He's going to get a lot of opportunity just because he can finish at the rim. He takes a lot of shots. Maybe, but there is absolutely a world where, where Jaden Ivey steps in as, you know, that secondary ball handler uh, alongside Kate Cunningham and just has such a high usage that the opportunity is going to be there for him to score the ball, to make secondary reads as a distributor. He's going to rebound. He plays with speed. Like he's going to get opportunities on both ends of the floor because of his athleticism, his size, his intangibles to really make an impact and solidify himself on a team that is something that I know both of us have really hammered home. Doesn't have a ton of top end talent yet. Uh, so I think Jaden Ivey could end up being the guy. I think Sadiq Bay, I'm in agreement with you is slated to be that number two guy. And and this is no knock on Sadiq Bey whatsoever. I mean, he can take another step and solidify himself. But let's face it, his sophomore year was rather mundane compared to what I think a lot of us were hoping for. His stats really, you know, didn't change much throughout the year he's he was a, a sub 35 percent three-point shooter pre and post all-star break you know 16 and a half points per game under three assists you know he does some nice things but for him to be the number two option long term he's going to have to make some pretty serious improvements to his game if the pistons are going to become a good team that's why I think there's a world where it ends up being Jaden Ivey. I just think his potential, which is something that I talked about prior to the draft, something that was so appealing to me in terms of Detroit, uh, having the opportunity to draft him was his potential. He is a player that has all-star level potential and an all-star level guy is a number one, number two option on, you know, essentially every team, unless you are a super team and you've got three all-stars so I think it's going to be Sadiq Bey to start the year I definitely see a world 
where it ends up being Jaden Ivy, you know, by February, March, April. And if it's Alec Burks or if it's Marvin Bagley, then honestly, probably a lot to gone wrong for Detroit in 2022, 2023. Yeah. And Aaron, I don't want to paint this as being like a make or break year for Sadiq Bay because it's not. Look, he is, I think at minimum long-term, a starter on a playoff team in this league. Like, I do think he's proven at least that. He doesn't need to make big steps forward in order to be that type of player and solidify that kind of role on a solid team. So I don't want to paint it as, you know, if Sadiq Bey does end up as a third option, even the fourth option somehow, um, that that's a failure of a season from him. Because really what it could be is more of, like we've said, somebody like Jaden Ivey coming along and just being a total revelation. But on the other hand, if Sadiq Bey does maintain that level as the number two guy this year, I think that that speaks more to his long-term potential than anything else. Look, do I think Sadiq Bey is an all-star ultimately? Probably not after last year. He didn't really take the steps forward that I was looking for. But I haven't completely given up on that. And I do think that he has an opportunity right now coming into his age 23 season where he can prove that, hey, yeah, Kate and Ivy are the big name guys right now, but I'm still here. And I absolutely should be part of a three-headed trio, not just this, you know, two-headed monster. Um, I, I will also say, I'm glad you brought up Marvin Bagley. I do think that there's the potential for him to even finish as high as second in scoring on this team it's very much there but when we're talking about offensive options I don't see him as being somebody that's going to take a big step forward in terms of handling the ball um, getting the ball in his hands and making a bunch of post moves and driving the offense in any meaningful manner because he's not a very good passer still Uh, so I think he could finish as the number two scorer but maybe not even the number two or three offensive option. So much of that could just come from pick and roll and dump offs and offensive rebounding to where that's not exactly the role he's playing. Uh, Ultimately though. Yeah. I think we are definitely in agreement here. It's Sadiq Bey's role to lose at the beginning of the season. And depending on how this year plays out, he could lose that role and still have it be a successful season for him. I think we're in agreement on that Eric. I think I think in a bigger conversation with Sadiq Bey is as much as we would like him to expand on his game, it might be more beneficial if he just mastered the things that that he was good at. You know, the three point shooting that we saw in his rookie season is something that Detroit's gonna need. He can't have another year where he's shooting below 35% from the three-point line when he has, you know, he has college track record, a rookie season track record of being a good three-point shooter. Um, So he might not be a guy that ends up handling the basketball a ton and that might stunt his ceiling. But if he masters some of the things that he's shown he's good at, letting someone like Jaden Ivey step into the fold over time, kind of take over as the number two guy might not be the worst thing in in the world for Detroit long-term, at least 
you know, maybe next year, especially at the beginning of the year, while Ivy is getting acclimated, they might and they will need Bay to have a, a significant role. Um, but I don't think him, like you said, I I don't think it'll it it'll be a failure of a season if Jaden Ivy is just that good and ends up overtaking him. That won't directly mean that City Bay underperformed. No, not at all. If if anything, yeah, I that's a good point, Aaron. It could be a factor of just him pushing up from good to great in in a few of the things that he's shown he's able to do. If he can just be like an over 42% catch and shoot guy from out outside, like Alec Burks is, to be honest, um, I, I think that that would help him and the team tremendously. If he is a player that teams constantly have to focus on, regardless of whether he's driving the offense or not, that's really what matters. It's about gravity. It's about shooting impact. It's about spacing. And you need players that can do that at an extremely high level. Maybe he's not Chris Middleton. Maybe he's, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling of a comparison right off the top of my head. But the point is maybe he's not that second offensive initiator. But that could be okay if he's great at the other things that he's shown he can already do at a high level. If he can push his defense forward, if he can push that catch and shoot forward, if he can finish at the rim, just, you know, gosh, I mean, two, three percent higher than he has for his career. I think that makes him a completely different player in terms of how dangerous he is, how much defense is at to focus on him and how much he can open up the floor for other guys, especially players like Cade and Jaden Ivey, who need that space to operate efficiently. So I really do think it could be one of those things where even if he doesn't make that step into number two option, like real number two option, he could still elevate his game and he could still elevate this team's potential uh, in, in the long term. Is is Marvin Bagley going to be the starting power forward to, to start the season? Oh, man, he could. I mean, that's another, you know, if we're talking about that, we, it's something we've talked about all offseason, Aaron, is that front court rotation. I, I think we're pretty set. Jalen Duran is not going to be one of the top three front court options to start this year, but he very well could be in there to finish the year. And, I mean, yeah, you said Marvin Bagley. Aaron Kelly Olenek could, could be the starting power forward for this team when it's all said and done. I mean, he does offer – Things that they need. They they need passing. They need shooting. Uh, he can do those things. And you know I've been a big believer in Isaiah Livers. I've been a big believer that they need somebody like him in that starting lineup. But I could absolutely see Dwayne Casey going with Marvin Bagley for, you know, those offensive reasons, that that rim pressure. I could also see if he's – if they're committing to Stewart at center, they go, hey, maybe – you know, we can we can offset that defensive liability of a Linux a little bit by getting increased shooting, which Marvin Bagley can't offer. So I could see it working out in so many different ways, Aaron. I, I do agree with that. And look, I don't think you can get a worse version of Kelly Olenek than you got last year. No, it was the worst year. It was one of the worst years of his career. Easily. By far. Yeah, and he had followed, and he followed up one of the better seasons of his career the year before. I mean, I know he got in, 
he got a little extra run in Houston because they had nobody to play. But like he he had a good year, period. So right, yeah, you you do anticipate some sort of a bounce back as long as he can stay healthy. Yeah, I mean the way that his season went last year, it's just I I can't foresee it happening like that again. I mean this is a guy that in you know eight nine seasons prior to last year played sixty four more games each of those seasons. This is a guy that was regularly above the 70 games played Mark. And like you said, maybe he got a little extra run in Houston, but this is still a guy that between Houston and, and Miami averaged 13 and a half points, seven rebounds, just under three assists, you know, shot the ball better than he did last year uh, in Detroit. So he is an albatross on defense. I don't know if you can fully make up for what he dilutes of your defense, even if you have great defenders around him. And I don't, I don't believe that Detroit has enough great defenders to really make up for that, for the the problems that he's going to cause. But I do think there is some legitimate upside to what he can bring to the table offensively. If his shooting can come back, if he's just healthy, I mean, the guy couldn't move last year by the time that, that he came back. I mean, he, he suffered that ankle injury early in the year came back, immediately got COVID. Once he came back from that, Dwayne Casey was at multiple times saying, look, Kelly's just not himself. He's still struggling getting his wind back. He's not up to, to the level that he can be at. So an offseason off, getting fully healthy. We've seen some videos of him, you know, in those famous, you know, pickup games with some other professional basketball players and things like that. So everything... <laughs> You, you're seeing looks like he's healthy again. And, I mean, it's it, it would be bad for Detroit if Kelly Olenek wasn't able to play for them. But I think on the flip side, there's a world where he doesn't play for them. Because you have Bagley, you have Stewart, you have Nerlens Noel, you have Isaiah Livers, and you have Jalen Durant. I mean, at some point, Kelly Olenek might end up out of the fold. But on the flip side... He could end up being your opening night starter. So it's it's a logjam of a situation up front for Detroit. I think they're the nice thing is they're going to have options. I don't think any of those options are necessarily great. I think they all have their perks. I think there are some drawbacks to each of them. Um, but it, it sets up for, for Dwayne Casey to have a lot of different options, which – in a year where the Pistons aren't going to be very good, it's okay for them to have these different types of players to try different looks to see how the archetypes of these guys mesh with the core players of Cunningham, Ivy, Bay, Stewart, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. And you know what, Aaron, you're right. It, there are so many different decisions for Dwayne Casey to make with this roster. And this is now year four of his tenure here in Detroit. I'm kind of wondering where you're at with Dwayne Casey, because he's been a coach that has been maligned by his former uh, fan base in Toronto. Uh, He's been maligned at times here in Detroit as well. Although he has gotten, I think a lot of credit uh, for, for kind of leading this young team and kind of giving them an identity. He's got a lot of tough decisions this year more than he's had in years past for sure 
And while the Pistons aren't expected to be a playoff team, I think we certainly expect them to take a step forward in their progression, both as individual players and as a team. So Aaron, maybe not just looking at this year, but going into next year, year five, if Dwayne Casey's team, this Detroit Pistons team, doesn't take a step forward this year, doesn't take a step forward into go into next year, or let's even forget next year. If the Pistons don't take a step forward this year, how hot is Dwayne Casey's seat going to start to become? Because maybe not this year they're making the playoffs, but the expectation next year, I think 100% has to be they're making the playoffs. So if they if they don't take a step forward this year, where are we looking at with Dwayne Casey going into year five? I don't think there's a ton of pressure on him currently. I think from everything that we've heard, this is an organization that is rather aligned on the front office, the coaching staff. They're obviously taking a, a different approach, a different process than we've seen the Tom Gores led Pistons take. Uh, in years past, in regime regime pass with Stan Van Gundy and the slew of coaches that came before him. I think they're understanding that this is going to be a process. It's going to take time. And we're seeing that with how they're building out the roster too. This isn't Stan Van Gundy who's using up all of the cap space, to overpay role players, and things of that nature. Uh, Troy Weaver is being very uh, selective with the guys that he brings in, and that's slowing down the Pistons, improving in terms of record. There is pressure on Dwayne Casey to stimulate the growth of these young guys on the roster. If you see a season where Cade Cunningham, Sadiq Bey, Jaden Ivey all underperform, regress, whatever, there has to be some pressure on Dwayne Casey. I don't think that happens. I think everyone is very, very confident in what Cade Cunningham is going to become. I think from what we've heard out of the Pistons front office and just from what we've heard from different reporters and things of that nature is that some of these guys, Jaden Ivey and Sadiq Bay, are having strong off seasons. I know that people were very, very excited to see essentially the entire Detroit roster, you know, eight, nine, 10 guys out at the, the Rico Hines, Hines runs with Stephen Curry, Draymond Green, uh, Russell Westbrook. I mean, you know, some of the elite NBA players, half the Toronto Raptors roster. So I think there's an expectation that these guys are going to take a step forward. I don't think it's going to be a major step forward in terms of record this upcoming season. And I think that's okay. But I do agree that going into the 2023-2024 season, the expectation is going to be, hey, Cade's going into year three. Sadiq, Isaiah are going into year four. Jaden Ivey's got a year under his belt. We're probably armed with another high-level lottery pick. 
and we had another offseason of max slot cap space to work with uh it's it's time like it's time to to put push our chips in and, and go for it and if the pistons come out then and are bad and, and and don't come close to the playoffs like i guess if they make the play on and i mean this could all change i mean we're talking about two seasons from now but if they don't you know make the play and make the playoffs there has to be some pressure on Dwayne Casey from that alone. Uh, unless, you know, you lose two, your top two, three guys to injury. This is a team that you can't just go year after year uh, of lottery picks. You can't. Not when you have a high-level player like Kate Cunningham leading your team and you have another lot, another lottery pick in Ivy, Sadiq, Stewart, cap space coming. This is a team that has to take steps. The step might not be playoffs this year, but four, five, six more wins this year, seven, eight, you know, and, and the year after getting closer, getting closer to being a playoff team, getting into the play-in, making the playoffs, that has to be realistic when you're going to have what we think is going to be a top 10, 15 player in Kate Cunningham. So if the Pistons don't do that and we're seeing frustration from the locker room, the lack of results in terms of, of of the record, there's going to have to be pressure on Dwayne Casey. I don't think there is right now. I think it would take some pretty significant things happening for there to be pressure in the short term. But down the line, the results are eventually going to have to start to show in terms of the wins and loss columns and playoff appearance column. And if that doesn't change soon, then there will be some pressure on Dwayne Casey. Then there will be rumblings of, him being on the hot seat. Yeah, I, I mostly agree, Aaron. I don't think that unless he loses the locker room completely, a la John Kuster, um, he, he's not losing his job this year, even if the Pistons don't win significantly more games. I, even if they like stay at the same amount of wins, to be honest, I, I still think he's got his job. But after this year, I think going into year five, the hot seats got to start getting hot. I think the expectation has to be play in or bust. And the reason I say this is that Dwayne Casey is already the third longest tenured head coach in Pistons history. Uh, he's only 26 games behind Stan Van Gundy. Obviously, Chuck Daly is number one. And <laughs> Dwayne Casey would have to be here for a, for a full decade in order to, to pass him. Um, but yeah, it's not like... I know the Pistons have been bad, but it's not like he hasn't had any sort of a leash. And if you're going into year six of your tenure without having made the playoffs even once, I don't think that's acceptable. I don't think that that's something you can continue with, no matter how much you say, uh, hey, we're building. He'll have well, made it that the one year with with Blake and Andre. Oh, yes, of course, this first year. You're so right. Essentially. Okay, you're, you're completely correct. Correct. I'm sorry, but that, but still, that would represent the, the conversation, though. No, it would still represent five straight years without making the playoffs. Right, and you're right? talking about a team that has spent to acquire young talent. I mean, Abs absolutely. I mean, they have put in that they've they've given him pieces. Yes, it's not a complete team yet, but that's what this year is for. That's what this year has to be for. So if you don't manage to solidify this roster into a meaningful working core for next year and that core is not able to take a step forward into the playoffs or even the play in 
I think he's got to be gone. I Like, I don't even think there could be a discussion. I, I think he has to be gone next year if they don't make it. Because six seasons of, of no playoff wins, I don't really care what the excuse is. That's not acceptable for any franchise. I mean, e- even the Timberwolves wouldn't put up with something like that. Even the Kings wouldn't put up with something like that. If you're the Pistons, there's no way you should. So I think we're in agreement. Dwayne Casey's not losing his job this year unless something absolutely insane happens. Um, maybe they trade Cade for Allen Iverson. Uh, but other than that, he's safe. Next year, next year is when that seat's got to be really, really hot. Anything less is not acceptable to me as a fan. We're in agreement there. We are in agreement there. That was our show this week. Uh, one final note was we did get the pre- the Pistons preseason schedule. Ooh. We're going to play four games. Basketball is going to be back before you know it. And I know we're all kind of sitting on the edge of our seats waiting for college football, the NFL to come back. But the NBA is going to be back before you know it. Detroit's first preseason game is October 4th. They'll play four preseason games total against the Knicks, which will actually be broadcasted nationally on TNT. So the Pistons get multiple nationally televised games this year, folks. And then the other three are October 7th against the New Orleans Pelicans, October 11th against the Oklahoma City Thunder, which some devastating news for them with Chet Holmgren being announced as out yeah. of the season. Aaron, you mentioned Kelly Olynyk playing uh, pickup games. Hope you folks enjoy that. That's not happening for a few years at least. No way NBA teams are going to let their their guys do these type of like showcases next year. It's just not going to happen. Just very, very unfortunate for him. And it sucks for the league in general. It sucks for him, Oklahoma City. Everyone loses because yeah. I think a lot of people were, were intrigued. Maybe they didn't believe in it, that Chet was going to come in and be you know, a big time player or anything, but they were still intrigued to see considering the uniqueness of who he is as a player with his body type and everything. Very, very unfortunate that he got hurt, but Detroit will wrap up the preseason on October 13th against Memphis. And then they're what a week out of, of the regular season beginning. Is it October 19th, October 20th, something like that against Orlando. So it's going to be back. I mean, we are, just a couple of days out of September, we'll have media day. We'll have training camp. It's it's all going to be back, uh, but before you know it. So these types of podcasts where we're kind of speculating on future two years, things. two years to the future, right? Uh, <laughs> what year does does Jaden Jalen Durham become an all star? Like those kind of topics, or they're going to be a thing of the past as we get into uh, the the current events of the Detroit Pistons. But, hey, a little bit of a shorter show for us this week. Don't always get under 40 minutes, but we got we got to the point this week, which which we always try to do, but it always ends up being a 50-minute, hour-long conversation. Well, I usually don't have a hot date I have to get to, but today is today's a little different. So I, yeah, I'm going to be completely that. honest. It's Yeah, it's completely based on nothing but uh, my baser desires. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I'm I'm going to let you get to that date. I'm going to wrap us up here for this week. Jasper, thanks for joining me. Great conversation, as always. Guys, keep your eyes out 
uh, on palaceofpistons.com. Should have an article uh, coming out most likely on Monday from Dylan Edenfield. Uh, make sure you're following us on our socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You know the deal. If you're you know watching this somewhere where you can leave a like or drop a rating, certainly do that as well. We really, really appreciate it. But that's going to do it for us this week on the Palace of Pistons podcast brought to you by Believe. Thanks to our sponsor, Bet Online. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good one, folks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.